Well, hey, everybody, I'm Adam Shell, the pastor at Melbourne Heights, and I want to welcome you to our sermon podcast. Over the last few episodes of our podcast, we've been working our way through a series of sermons called A New Normal, where we've been thinking about what the new normal is going to be like for our church as we get closer to putting the COVID-19 pandemic behind us. And what we found is that even though our new normal is going to be different, the priorities for our church can't change. And that's because our priorities are set by God. So in this week's episode, we're focusing in on one last priority that we have to have as we think about our new normal. And as we start thinking ahead, it's our temptation that we're thinking far down the road. But part of what it means for us to follow Jesus is that we commit to follow Jesus every single day. So with all this in mind, let's get right into this episode sermon. So over the course of the last year, I've had a lot of what I've come to call if-I-could-only moments. And what's an if-I-could-only moment? Well, it's a moment where you think, if I could just do this one thing, then my life would feel normal again. And since we've all been living through a pandemic for over a year at this point, I think every single one of us just wishes that our life could feel like normal again. So over the last year, I've thought to myself, if I could only eat inside of a restaurant again, then life would feel normal. Or if I could only send my daughter back to school again, then life would feel normal. Or if I could only go on a vacation again, then life would feel normal. Or if I could only attend an in-person worship service with my church, then life would feel normal again. Or if I could only get a haircut, then life would feel normal again. And by the end of last May, my hair was looking like this. So I really needed that haircut, okay? And you know what? Over the course of the last year, I've actually been able to do every one of those things. I've been able to sit down and eat inside of a restaurant again, but I was uncomfortable the entire time that I was there, so it still didn't feel normal. And I've been able to send my daughter back to school again, but like just about every other kid in JCPS, she's only going two days a week, so that still doesn't feel normal. And my family's been able to take a weekend getaway, but we were stressed out the entire time that we were gone, so that still didn't feel normal. And I've been able to get my hair cut plenty of times, including just a couple of days ago, but it's still really weird to have my barber have to mess around with my face mask, so it doesn't feel normal. And here at Melbourne Heights, today is now our fifth Sunday that we have been worshiping together, able to offer an in-person worship service since this pandemic began, and it still doesn't feel normal for us. Right now as a church, we still have plenty of people that are more comfortable joining us online for our worship service than we do coming and joining us in person. And for those of us that are coming together in person, what we're doing still feels a little bit strange. When we come together in person, we still have to wear face masks and stay six feet apart. When we come together to worship in person, we can't sit by, close by our friends and we can't shake hands and hug when we see each other. And none of that feels normal to us. So right now, there are a lot of us that are having these if-I-could-only moments when it comes to church. We think, if I could only take off this face mask while I'm worshiping in person, then church would feel 
normal again. Or we think, if I could only be together in person in a small area with my small group again, then church would feel normal. Or we think, if I could just sit right beside one of my friends, or at the very least shake a few hands or give a few hugs before the service begins, then church would feel normal again. So right now, there are a lot of us that are spending more time wishing for the future than we do living in the present. We spend more time wishing for the future than we do living in the present. And when we focus more on the future than we do living in the present, some dangerous things can happen. And this is something that I've learned firsthand. And I think the first time that I ever remember learning how dangerous it can be to focus more on the future than actually living in the present happened while I was learning how to drive. Now, when I was learning how to drive and my actual driver's test to get my license was just a few weeks away, my dad thought it would be a good idea if we went out every afternoon to practice my driving skills. So that's exactly what we did. Every afternoon when I got home from school, we'd hop in the car and I'd drive through our neighborhood and then I'd hit a few busier streets along the way. But after about 15 or 20 minutes, we always ended up in the same place. We always ended up in an empty church parking lot. And why did we always end up in an empty church parking lot? Well, by the time I was getting ready to take my driver's test, I had already had my learner's permit for about a year. So I had most of the basics of driving down pretty well. It was those lesser used skills that I still needed to practice on. And we went over to that empty church parking lot every afternoon so that my dad could teach me how to use one of those skills in particular. That's parallel parking. Now, let me be honest with you here. I really don't understand why you have to know how to parallel park a car to get a driver's license. I mean, I've now had my license for 22 years, and I can count on one hand the number of times I've actually had to parallel park a car. On top of that, auto manufacturers have been selling cars that can parallel park themselves since 2006. That's 15 years. So this skill, it seems pretty useless to me. But it doesn't really matter what I think, because the powers that be in the state of Kentucky say, if you want to get your driver's license, then you have to be able to parallel park your car. So my dad wanted to make sure that I could do it. So every afternoon, we went out to this church parking lot, and we followed the same routine. Once we pulled into the lot, I'd pull into a normal parking spot, the kind you use all the time, and then my dad would climb out of the car, he'd pop open the trunk, and he'd take out two lawn chairs. And these two lawn chairs would represent the cars that I was supposed to park in between. And I got to say, I think my dad was a genius for that one, because I'm positive that if our insurance company caught wind that I was practicing parallel parking between two real cars, they probably would have canceled our entire insurance policy. But anyway, he'd set out these cars, one representing the car in the back and the other representing the car in the front. And then he would take his spot standing beside the chair in the front, He'd have me roll down the window, and then he would start giving me instructions on what I needed to do to be able to successfully parallel park that car. And although I always appreciated my dad's guidance and advice and tips on how to drive, and truth be told, they're the only reason why I actually managed to pass that driving test along the way, by the end of three weeks of listening to my dad teach me how to parallel park, well, it became a little bit too much for my teenage self. 
And that's because by the end of those three weeks, I was over it. My mind was on the future. I was thinking about all the great things that would happen once I had my driver's license, and I wasn't really concerned about doing what I needed to do to get my license in the present. So when we started going out in those afternoons, my mind started wandering, and I started thinking about what it would be like to pull into the parking lot at my high school for the first time behind the steering wheel of my own car instead of having my parents drop me off in the morning. And I started thinking about how great it would be to go and bum the keys off of my dad on a Friday night so that I could go out to the movies with my friends. And I even started thinking way ahead into the future about what it would be like to go on a cross-country adventure like they do in that classic 70s film, Cannonball Run. So, after three weeks of going through these exercises, practicing every day with my dad, I did something that I'm not proud of. One afternoon, I let my teenage angst get the best of me, and I looked over at my dad when we pulled into that church parking lot, and I said, I don't need your help today, Dad. I can do it on my own. So my dad, being the loving father that he is, still got out of the car, popped the trunk, set up the two chairs for me, but then he stepped back and he let me do my thing. And that's exactly what I did. I positioned that car perfectly to start the parallel parking process. And then I slowly started backing into the space and cutting the wheel as I went. And I got to tell you, I was doing great. I was doing such a good job of parallel parking that the DMV probably should have sent somebody there to videotape the whole thing so that they'd have an instructional video to pass out to future drivers that were learning how to parallel park. And with one last turn, one last adjustment to the wheel, I knew that I was perfectly positioned exactly where I needed to be next to the curb. All I needed to do was to straighten back up and make sure I was centered in that parking space. So that's what I started to do. I took my foot off of the gas pedal and I reached down to shift the car back into drive and to push my foot down on the brake pedal. But when I did that, the car didn't actually stop. It started moving backwards at a rather alarming rate of speed, and the next thing I heard was the not-too-pleasant sound of a car running over a lawn chair. And, it's, and I don't know exactly what was going through my mind at that point in time. I don't know if I was thinking ahead to, to driving to school or going out to the movies with my friends or going on a cross-country adventure like Burt Reynolds. But in that moment, I was so focused on the future that I missed the brake pedal in the present and I hit the gas pedal instead. That poor lawn chair never saw it coming. And the worst part is I brought it all on myself. I brought it all on myself. I wanted to parallel park on my own, but in the process of doing that, I got so caught up in thinking about what the future of being a licensed driver was going to be like that I forgot about what my dad had taught me to do in the present. And because of that, I made a pretty big mistake. I'm just glad that I only dinged up a lawn chair instead of hitting something far more valuable with a car that day. Now, I know that was a pretty funny story, and I'm sure that some of you guys that are here in person are going to want to give me a hard time about my driving skills once the service ends this morning. But you might be wondering what on earth this story has to do with us. Well, in this story, as I was learning how to drive, 
I got so caught up in looking ahead to the future that I stopped doing what my dad taught me to do, what my dad wanted me to do in the present. And right now, a lot of us are getting so caught up in looking ahead to what our future will be like when we're finally able to put the COVID-19 pandemic behind us that we're not paying attention to our Heavenly Father in the present. We're spending so much time dreaming of the future that we aren't paying attention to God in the present. We're spending so much time dreaming of the future that we're not paying attention to God in the present. And if we're not careful, it's going to cause us to make some big mistakes as well. It's what happened to the people of Judah in the scripture passage that we're going to be taking a closer look at this morning. Now, just as a reminder for you, after King Solomon died, the kingdom of Israel was actually divided into two separate kingdoms. You had the northern kingdom, which continued to be called Israel, and then you had the southern kingdom that became known as Judah. And about 70 years before the passage that we're going to be reading this morning takes place, the people of Judah, the kingdom of Judah has been invaded by the Babylonian Empire, and the people have been conquered. And it's all because the people of Judah haven't been paying attention to God. And God lets them experience the consequences of their behavior. So in 586 BC, the Babylonian Empire invades the kingdom of Judah. They conquer the entire kingdom and they destroy the holy city of Jerusalem. And saying that they destroy the city of Jerusalem, it's an understatement. As a matter of fact, in the book of Lamentations, the prophet Jeremiah writes about what it was like to walk through the streets of this war-torn city in the aftermath of the Babylonian invasion. This is what Jeremiah tells us it was like at the beginning of that book in Lamentations 1 verse 1. Here's what he starts out by writing. It says, Jerusalem, once so full of people, is now deserted. She who was once great among the nations now sits alone like a widow. Once the queen of all the earth, she is now a slave. So this city that had once been the capital of a mighty kingdom was now empty. And many of its inhabitants have been carried off as spoils of war and they've been spread out all across the Babylonian empire. But 70 years later, they find out that they're going to be able to go back home to Judah. And you have to imagine that as soon as the people of Judah found out they were going to be able to go back home, that they started having a lot of these if-I-could-only moments. They had to start thinking, if I could only walk through the gates of the city of Jerusalem, then life will feel normal again. They had to be thinking, if I could only enter into to my old, old home again, then life would feel normal. If I could only go and see my old neighbors again, then life would feel normal. If I could only see the temple of God again, then life would feel normal. But with each one of these, if I could only moments, the people of Judah turned their attention more and more toward the future, and they paid less and less attention to God in the present. 
And that's where our scripture reading for this morning comes in. And the scripture that we're going to be taking a look at this morning, another prophet, this one named Zechariah, is going to warn the people of Judah. He's going to tell them not to spend so much time focused on the future that they stop paying attention to God in the present. So let's take a look at Zechariah chapter 8 together. We'll start reading in verse 1. Here's what Zechariah writes. The word from the Lord of heavenly forces came to me. The Lord of heavenly forces proclaims, I care passionately about Zion. I burn with passion for her. The Lord proclaims, I have returned to Zion. I will settle in Jerusalem. Jerusalem will be called the city of truth. The mountain of the Lord of heavenly forces will be the holy mountain. The Lord of heavenly forces proclaims, old men and old women will again dwell in the plazas of Jerusalem. Each of them will have a staff in their hand because of their great age. The city will be full of boys and girls playing in the plazas. The Lord of heavenly forces proclaims, even though it may seem to be a miracle for the few remaining among this people in these days, should it seem like a miracle for me, says the Lord of heavenly forces. The Lord of heavenly forces proclaims, I'm about to deliver my people from the land of the east and the land of the west. I'll bring them back so they will dwell in Jerusalem. They will be my people, and I will be their God in truth and in righteousness. The Lord of heavenly forces proclaims, Be strong, you who are now hearing these words from the mouths of the prophets spoken on the day when the foundations for the house of the Lord of heavenly forces were laid. Before this time, there were no wages for people or animals. There was no relief from distress about going out or coming in because I set everyone against their own neighbor. But now, unlike those earlier days, I'll be with the few remaining among this people, says the Lord of heavenly forces. The seed is healthy. The vine will give its fruit. The land will give its produce. The heavens will give its dew. I will give the remnant of this people all these things. Just as you were a curse among the nations, house of Judah and house of Israel, so now I will deliver you. You will be a blessing. Don't fear, but be strong. So I know we covered a whole lot in those 13 verses, but in the verses that we just read, God tells the people of Judah that a whole lot of their if-I-could-only moments are going to happen. God tells the people of Judah that they're going to be able to go back home and enter into the holy city of Jerusalem again. And God tells the people of Judah that he will meet them when they're there. God tells the people of Judah that they will once again grow old inside of their own kingdom again and that they will see their kids and their grandkids playing safely in the streets of the city. God tells the people of Judah that they will once again be able to plant their own gardens and that the gardens will produce more of a harvest than we can possibly imagine. But that's not all that God tells them. God also gives the people of Judah a warning in the book of Zechariah. So I want us to take a second to look at what this warning is, to see the catch that we find in this passage. So a couple verses later in Zechariah chapter 8, verses 16 and 17, it's where we find this catch. Here's what Zechariah writes. It says, these are the things you should do. Speak the truth to each other. 
Make truthful, just, and peaceable decisions within your gates. Don't plan evil for each other. Don't adore swearing falsely. For all of these things are things that I hate, says the Lord. So in those two verses, God tells the people of Judah that if they want to experience all of their if-I-could-only moments, that there's something that they have to do for God in the present. God tells the people of Judah that if they want to go back home to Jerusalem and enjoy their normal lives again, that they have to follow his commandments in the present. The people of Judah have to be honest right now. The people of Judah have to be just right now. The people of Judah have to be peaceful right now. So God tells the people of Judah that if they want to receive his promises for the future, then they have to follow God in the present. And the same thing is true for us. If we want God's promises for the future, we have to follow God today. If we want God's promises for the future, we have to follow God today. It's like when I was working toward getting my driver's license 22 years ago. Like every other 16-year-old, just about all I wanted was that future of having that driver's license in my hand. All I wanted to do was to be able to drive myself to school or go out to the movies or do what I wanted to do when I wanted to do it. I wanted the freedom and the independence that came with having a driver's license. But to receive those future promises, I had to do what I needed to do in those moments to make sure I learned how to parallel park and to make sure that I could pass my driver's test. Well, right now, a lot of us are looking forward to a future when we finally are able to put this whole pandemic behind us. We're looking forward to a future when we can go back into busy restaurants or go to crowded movie theaters or to sit inside of a sanctuary that's filled with people without feeling at least a little bit anxious about it. We're looking forward to a future when we don't have to wear face masks anymore or at the very least a future when we can shake each other's hands when we see each other again. And in the church, we're looking forward to a future when we can do all the things that we used to do in the past before this novel virus began to spread. But you know what? I can't tell you when any of those things are going to happen. Worse yet, I can't even tell you if any of those things are ever going to happen. But I can tell you that God doesn't want us to wait until the future when all of these if-only moments come true before we commit to follow him. God wants us to follow him, and God wants us to follow him right now, today. So that's what we as a church need to commit to do as we start living into our new normal together. We need to commit to follow God right now. We need to commit to set those if-I-could-only things to the side and focus in on following God with everything that we have today. Now, I wish I could make this decision for you. I wish that I could choose to make this commitment for you, but I can't. This is a decision that you have to make on your own. 
But if you'll make the commitment, we can be who God wants us to be. We can do what God wants us to do. We can follow God today, even as we continue to live through a pandemic. And we can do it by doing all the things that we've talked about over the last few weeks during the sermon series. We can commit to worship God every single week, whether we're doing it online or we're doing it in person. We can commit to come together, to praise God, to celebrate God, to thank God for everything that God is doing in this world and in our lives, even when our world around us isn't perfect. We can do this by committing to continue to grow in our relationship with God, to continue to become better disciples of Jesus. And we can do this by committing to help other people as they make their journey and their relationship with God. We can commit to help them become better disciples of Jesus too. We can do this by committing to use our God-given gifts and abilities and talents to serve our community and to serve our church. And we can do this by committing to help other people discover what their God-given gifts and abilities and talents are so that they can use them to serve the world as well. We can do it. We can follow God in the present even though the world, our lives, and even our church aren't exactly what we want them to be right now. But we all have to make this decision for ourselves. Like I said a minute ago, I can't make this choice for you. I can't make this commitment for you. You have to make this commitment for yourself. So are you committed to follow God? right now, in the present, today, even though our world and your life and our church may not be exactly what you want it to be? Are you still holding out for a future where all of your if-I-could-only moments become a reality? Are you willing to commit to follow God in the midst of our imperfections and messed-up world that we sometimes feel we're living in are you holding out hope that you could follow God when everything becomes perfect somewhere down the road? If you're waiting for everything to be perfect before you really commit to follow God with your life, it's not going to happen. But you will miss out on everything that God wants to do, all of the promises and blessings that God wants to give you today. But the choice is yours. Are you ready to commit to follow God in our new normal? Or are you going to wait to follow God until everything goes back to how it used to be? Let's pray together. God, as we come to you in this word of prayer, we're thankful that you have been with us all throughout our journey over the course of the last year since this novel virus began to spread, God. We have all been through so much that we can't even begin to put it into words, God. We've all suffered loss. We've all experienced grief. We've all seen our normal lives turn completely upside down. And now, God, as we are starting to be able to enter into our new normal, our prayer is that you allow us to commit to be as faithful to you today as you've been faithful to us all along the way, God. Allow us to commit to being your people, to doing what you have called us to do, to worshiping you, to making disciples, to using our gifts to serve you, God, today and into the future as well. 
We want to be your people. We want to be your people right now, God. Help us to do it. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, it's Adam again, and I just want to thank you for tuning in to this episode of our sermon podcast. And I hope that today's sermon has reminded you that following Jesus isn't something that we just keep putting off into the future. We're called to follow Jesus every single day, and that includes right now, today. So I hope that you'll do that in your life as we enter into our new normal together. Now, in our next episode, we're going to be starting into a brand new series of sermons where we're going to be thinking about a problem that every family faces, and that's the problem of conflict. That's right, whether we want to admit it or not, none of our families are perfect and every family fights sometimes, but we don't always fight fair. So what we're going to be talking about in the next few episodes of our sermon podcast is ways that we don't fight fair and what we can do about those. So I hope that you'll come back and join us when that next episode drops. As always, if you subscribe to our podcast, it'll be sent straight to your favorite podcasting app. And while you're in that podcasting app, let me encourage you to leave a a rating and a review for this podcast. Your ratings and reviews mean a whole lot, and they help spread the word of this podcast to other people. Also, remember that you can come and join us every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. if you ever want to worship with us live. You can find us online at mhbclouisville.com slash live. Well, until our next episode, I hope that you guys have a great week. We'll see you back here next Tuesday when our next episode drops.